I'm Shanna Martin, host of the Tech Tools for Teachers podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Black, Brown, and Bilingual, where our mission is to unite the black and brown communities through education, storytelling, and community engagement. The vision of Black, Brown, and Bilingue is to be part of creating a world in which Black and Brown identities are affirmed, bilingualism and biculturalism are nurtured, and equity is the driving force behind all that we do. Thank you for joining us again today. I am Lisette Jacobson, and I am one of your hosts. And I'm Maurice McDavid. I'm your other host. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Black, Brown and Bilingue. Uh, Folks, today is actually a first. You have just me hosting today, um, but we are so excited to have in our guest today. Um, uh, We're hoping everything is well with Lisette. Um, No worries. She's not in danger, nothing, but just had some come up. So we're here today with Sandy Cristobal. Uh, Sandy is a bilingual educator and administrator, Uh, and Sandy uh, shared with us that she came to the U.S. with her family when she was seven years old. Her trajectory as a newcomer and English learner led her to pursue education and become a teacher and now administrator. She's taught kindergarten. She's taught Spanish as a foreign language uh, and ESL. Sandy and her family are uh, from Bolivia. Uh, She is a proud Latina administrator and she strives to bring light and positivity or light to positivity and gratitude in the workplace and grow as a leader um, and grow a leader. I apologize in everyone she encounters. So, Sandy, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today on Black, Brown and Bilingual. Thank you so much for having me. Um, just hearing that, just again, bring so much pride and it makes me think about, oh my gosh, that, that is that is where I came from. <laughs> you need those moments, right? To remind yourself how far you've gotten. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's start there, Sandy, if you don't mind. Tell us uh, just a little bit about um, kind of what that process was like for you. Um, uh, you know, what, what are some of those most prominent memories for you when you think about arriving here in the United States as a seven-year-old uh, little girl? It's funny because I actually remember some of those things. Um, so my family and I came here. Uh, my parents got a scholarship to uh, to study here, to get their master's degree here. So my story is a little different than um, some other stories. And what makes it really interesting was that um, we came into the U.S. thinking we, my parents were just going to be here for a little bit until they got their master's and then go back and my parents pursue their careers. Um, but we ended up staying, you know, because my, my family, uh, my dad got a job. And so that meant that now I had, we had to be getting more involved into the community and make this our home. And 
When I was seven years old, the only English phrase I knew was, I love you. And that was thanks to Barney. Yeah, shout out to Barney. Dinosario uh, Morado. Yes. <laughs> so I know, like, I love you because I remember I had a stuffed Barney animal. And you, you know, he squeezed the hand and I said, I love you. And so that were that those were the only three words I knew in English. And so coming in into an American system, education system was so shocking for me. Um, but I remember my first American teacher, her name was Miss Larson till this day. See the impact of good quality teachers, right? Miss Larson to me was my saving grace. She just made me feel like I belonged there. And she made me feel that I, you know, that she was the one to, she was chosen to make me feel at home. And um, ironically, um, that's how I was intrigued of becoming an educator because of Ms. Larson, the way she made me feel, I wanted to make other students feel that way. Um, so as I was learning English, um, I started to realize that I had a lot of differences and a lot of similarities, but more differences than most of my classmates. Um, learning English was was tough for me. I had my first ESL teacher was not very kind. She um, would always, it's like the drill. She drilled me in a lot of vocab. And I remember a specific story about that was there was a flashcard that she showed me one day when, and it was a picture of a necklace. And for some reason, I couldn't say that. I would always say Nicholas, Nicholas. And she did the typical, no, not class, not class, as if I couldn't hear, right? And so that also, um, as I grew older, I remember that experience. So I had a little bit of both words uh, growing up and having someone like Miss Larson and having someone like this ESL teacher made me really pursue my interest in education. Um, um, but I, it was, it was, it was difficult because a, as my parents began their trajectory of settling, I didn't have access to the same things that my classmates had. Um, and so that was eye opening to me, even as a seven year old. Yeah. So, so I, I think, um, you've kind of hit on this uh, a little bit already, right. But obviously that trajectory towards becoming an educator was impacted by this, but it also sounds like, right, you were in a home where, where education was very much so valued. Um, right. can, you, can you talk a little bit kind of uh, about your parents' perspective on education and maybe how that influenced kind of where you are today? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I come from the country of Bolivia and it all stems from culture. So in Bolivia, um, and there is it's free education, free college, free universities for everyone. So the culture in Bolivia is that you go to school no matter what. You know, it doesn't matter what socioeconomic stat, you know, status you come from. It doesn't matter who your parents are. Um, education is is free for all. So everybody, it, it's part of the culture. Everybody goes. So, um, so my parents growing up in that system and that culture education was something that you didn't think twice about and there was no excuse there was no second guessing you just did it and so my parents um, both of them had their master's degree by the time I you know I was already born and so it was just a natural thing for them because of the culture that they grew up in and so of course uh, my parents uh, growing up as as a child and seeing them appreciate reading and appreciate asking questions about different things that were happening in politics and being engaged with their community 
and listening um, to different speakers and, and watching documentaries played a big role in, in me. And my my father, uh, one of the things he told me, he said, now you have to get a higher degree than me and your mom ever had. So um, I have my master's now. So <laughs> and my dad is no longer with us, but I always think about him, you know, like he, he you know, he, if he was here, he'd be like, come on, get your PhD. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep exactly. What's next? What's next, What's Sandy? Next? Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it was grained in our culture. And so it was just what everybody, so not even, so if you go to Bolivia now, um, you see, you may see people working on the streets, but they have two or three degrees just because it's free. So you may see um, some car carpenters that are also doctors, um, some doctors that are also lawyers. And, and so that, that's, it's really neat. So it was part of my culture. That's, that's incredible. That's, that's really neat. Um, just that that piece, uh, particularly that was something I, I did not know um, about Bolivia. So I'm definitely learning something already. Um, obviously, you know, you then made a decision um, through probably it sounds like seeing both really great <laughs> teachers and maybe seeing also, right, because sometimes we learn from what we don't want to do when we get into that role. Um so you made a decision to to become an educator. What was that process like for you? Did you always think, okay, I'm going to be an ESL teacher in particular, or I'm going to teach bilingual? What was that process like for you? Um, so once I um, got to college, um, I knew I wanted to pursue education just because of Miss Larson's impact on my life. And like you said yourself, like not wanting anyone else to feel the way I did with my ESL teacher. Um, um, but I didn't go into bilingual education at first. So I thought, you know, well, what, what do I, what am I passionate about? What, are, what would I like students to learn? Um, what can I bring to the table? And I went down the foreign language track. So my goal was to be a Spanish as a foreign language teacher, um, and, uh, teach monolingual students Spanish. And I thought, you know, I'm from Bolivia. It's a little bit different, um, intake on you know perspective and um, I wanted to to do that so um, that's where I got all my practicums my student teachings were all in foreign language um, but as soon as I I graduated um, I I got a uh, I started as a part-time foreign language teacher at the time you know now now thinking back those jobs were so scarce mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. so thankfully I I landed just a part-time Spanish as a foreign language teacher in middle school and um, one, my the principal in the building that I was at, he said, hey, Sandy, you know, you're obviously fluent. Have you considered getting your bilingual endorsement? And so I had heard about that. And um, I said, yeah, I mean, but, you know, my goal at the time was like, I was hoping he was going to say, hey, Sandy, now you can be a full-time Spanish foreign language teacher. Uh, because he said to me, you know, we would like for you to be full-time, but right now uh, there's a, a need for bilingual ESL and so of course when I um when he approached me my first reaction was oh okay well and then I thought about that ESL teacher that I had when I was seven I was like I don't want to be like her what if I what if I turn out to be like that because those are like the memories that you have right but Miss Larson I thought I could recreate that as a Spanish as a foreign language teacher and I was so afraid to like go into that ESL world because I didn't want anyone um, I didn't want to impact a student in the way I did. 
But long story short, you know, I wanted full time. So I thought, let me go get this endorsement. And then that principal had a lot of trust in me. And um, and then I became full-time ESL teacher. Uh, um, and I worked with a lot of friends from Vietnam and from the Middle East. And then my love completely transformed from foreign language to EL in the emerging bilinguals and English learners. And so then I thought, okay, now this is my jam because these kids share the similar story that I do. Um, these kids needs an advocate for them. I know what they're going through. I know what their parents are thinking. Yeah. I, they're confused. I was like, oh my gosh, I am, I'm able to serve differently. And, and so then, then the following year then I wanted to pursue something more, um, full-time in that role. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So you've kind of hit on this a little bit, obviously, you know, our whole podcast is Black, Brown, and Bilingue. Uh, yo era un maestro de la clase de español también. Um, (laughs) but I felt like I could do that because I was coming into it as someone who had learned Spanish, right? So, so that was my connection. I'd tell the kids like, look, I sat in your seat and I learned Spanish like you learned Spanish. I can do it. (laughs) Right, exactly. But I think that there's something powerful, right, about what you said. And that is that your experience, you have that shared experience with, even those students were from the Middle East or from Vietnam or from wherever they may be, You've arrived in this place that doesn't speak the language you have always spoken. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, not everybody looks maybe like you look. And, and, and you know, there's just kind of this, this culture shock piece. Um, wh- what were some of the, the major differences, um, you know, for anybody listening who maybe is in a similar position, what were some of the major differences between teaching that Spanish as a foreign language and, and kind of more of that ESL role? I guess the, one of the main differences that I remember is that students that were learning English as a second language, they came with so many much more skills that were so much more visible than in a foreign language class. You know, in a foreign language class, we were all kind of on the same level. We're all learning together. We're learning, you know, in my case, Spanish, you know, we were all learning to conjugate verbs and but then with the with the EL kids, with the English learners, I realized that they came with so many other more skills that they were able to bring out as soon as they were learning, acquiring the language. Um, as a teacher, um, it is it took a lot more for me to plan my lessons more strategically than it, as a Spanish as a foreign language teacher. You know, you know, you want to do um, some fun activities with the language, hands-on learning with Spanish, but with EL, it was like, okay, how, how can I incorporate, how can I look at my standards, but not incorporate this to the real world? And because now they're going to have to navigate it when they leave my room and just taking all their skills. And some of them were at different levels, right? So you had some students that maybe were, had that social English and some students that had you know, nothing yet. And then some that, you know, were able to read at a primary grade. Um, and so being able to teach them all um, and involve their interest was also something, although challenging, was very uh, rewarding for me. And and then being able to collaborate with their teachers, because as a for, Spanish as a foreign language teacher, you know, we had our department, the French teacher, you know, the German teacher. And we were like, OK, how the other, you know, give me some ideas about how I, you know, 
how I can teach this verb or do you have any oracy activities? But on the EL world, in the ESL world, my conversations were so different. We're like, did you know that this student um, is working after school? Do you know that this student is um, a feeling down because their mother or co and their cousins are not haven't come to this side of you know from Mexico, from Mexico, um, or this student is having anxiety because you keep ca calling them and they want to participate but they don't know how and so those were so so I I saw the advocacy more in my role as an as an ESL teacher and and just being able to and then I just and then the, the love for the kids was just different right because they just became these are you know these are my babies these are my kids I want to protect mm -hmm. them um so I think those were some of the differences that I saw between the two awesome awesome so so this is actually a great uh way to to kind of transition here just a little bit because you talked about that collaborating with other teachers, that ability to be an advocate even, right, for some of your students. Um, and, and I think that both of those are really key roles um, uh, in the job of an administrator. Um, so um, not everybody who becomes a teacher obviously becomes an administrator. Um, how, did you, how did you get to that place where you said, okay, I am ready to, to make this jump now from being uh, a leader in the classroom of students to now, um, you know, having having a, a an official building leadership role. I'm sure you had leadership roles prior, right, to becoming uh, an official administrator. So can you talk a little bit about um, just what that journey was like for you from the classroom to uh, building level administration? Sure. Um, well, I was really... Um, vocal um, when it came to advocating for my students, specifically my ESL students. But and then I had the privilege to like push in into a lot of um, gen ed classrooms. So I would see some things that teachers could just tweak um, to make their classrooms more inviting to our English learners. And um, I was able to just build relationships with a lot of teachers. So a, a lot of teachers started to come to me for advice or just for some feedback on, hey, you know, I know you're going to come in into my classroom, you're pushing in, um, I'm going to try um, doing TPR, can you see if I if I did it correctly, I know you talked about that at the staff meeting or whatnot, and so I started building relationships with my colleagues and, and became a, that trusted, um, that trusted colleague, and I think my principal started to see that, and so the principal at the time, um, during one of my, my formal observations you know and then my summits have said to me you know have you you know I, I'm noticing that you are becoming a natural leader you know you ask a really you ask a lot of good questions you're always volunteering to do x y and z you know it seems like a lot of the teachers you work with are trust you have you considered getting your um, admin degree and I I, I laughed right because I was like <laughs> Uh, no like you know like that, that's going to the dark side I don't want to go to the dark side <laughs> right the right light. the dark side welcome welcome yeah <laughs> and so um you know I took it as like a compliment but in the back of my mind was like no that's not that's not for me and so but you know as the years went on um I kept getting more leadership opportunities within my school district whether it be being part of the building leadership team um being that uh the the lead for my el team and so that conversation came up again with with my principal and i i just want to 
thank her. She is the one that really pushed me to do it. And then I thought, you know, why not? I, I need a master's degree. You know, my parents, you know, they expect for me to get a master's degree anyway. I'm Bolivian. I got to do it. Eh, we'll see. I'll just get it just to get it. <laughs> um, but going through that program was very transforming because you learn a lot of things that you don't think about. You know, you learn about so much about the school and the community and law and policy. And and then I was like, okay, like this is this is something that is really becoming a passion of mine is to really being able to learn about how school schools work. And 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 also that instructional leadership was, you know, knocking at my door. Um, and so that's what really intrigued me into then pursuing it. And so as soon as I, I I graduated, I thought, you know, let me see, let me let me try and see what happens. Um, and that's what what got me to where I'm at. Um, was was those things is is knowing that my influence could could go only um, to certain people or certain rooms, but with my building admin degree, my influence could grow a little bit more. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That, that is um, definitely a major part of uh, my story as well, right? Thinking about, okay, I can impact this classroom or even, you know, I was a middle school teacher, so I can impact this hundred and some students that I see each day. Um, or I can, I can impact, you know, teachers who then are impacting students. Um, so, so with that in mind, I, you know, we know we, we've, uh, you know, follow you on, on, uh, the Twitter, um, and Twitter world. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and so, you know, we, we know that, uh, there are some, some things or kind of these five tips that you have developed, um, that really focus on how educators can make a positive change, positive impact on their environment, um, right. Which is key when you talk about like a being a, a building leader right being an administrator what what does that really look like and so um I, I want to just hear from you um a little bit uh, about kind of how you got to these five what does it look like for you to live these five and for our listeners um again we will you know share some of these out we'll we'll, we'll post this up on our page but um, you know, Sandy, you've talked about having a heart of gratitude, number one. Number two, listen, but don't always engage, which I got to tell you, I love that. That sounds a lot like something we try to practice, which is having that that um, that replacing judgment with curiosity. Right. Um, so I don't have to engage with you. I can I can even hear you without yep. necessarily having to agree or disagree. Absolutely. Um, be the light. Walk in confidence. Um, and then don't compromise your beliefs or values about your students. And so I love all of those. Um, jump in wherever, whichever one, maybe obviously having a heart of gratitude is number one, if you want to start there. Yeah, no, I, you know, just through uh, my 10 plus years of education, these are some things that I picked up on, on what it, why, what makes a teacher or an educator happy? because I was struggling, you know, uh, there was times where I was doubting. I think we all have those doubts, right? Am I meant for this? Do I, do I belong here? Um, and so I had to check myself, check my heart, um, and just get grounded. And I, over my interaction with so many, um, administrators, so many educators, um, so many families, these are the five things that I noticed that 
the qualities of people that are um, that have a positive change into their into their building environment and workplace. So the first one is have a heart of gratitude. And so this is um, rooted in science. I don't think we talk about this enough, but mm-hmm. you know when we are grateful, we release serotonin which activates our brain to produce dopamine and dopamine is what makes us feel happier and healthier and so and especially in in our field you know this like we can become so caught up with what is happening here what's happening there why this why that you know and 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 not to say those things are not true um but we have to shift our our mentality to have a heart of gratitude. And that means appreciate the things that you, that you are happy about, appreciate the things that you have control over. And even the fact that um, I think about this all the time, you know, when we get newcomers, it's a challenge for our teachers, you know, Um, but the fact that we have the opportunity to connect with someone outside of our culture, to connect with someone that can bring so much to the table, that and to help us see the world a different way that's something that we should be grateful for right and so i've been thinking a lot about how do i start my day so that i can ground myself into being being that person that i want to be and so it starts with gratitude so as an administrator what that looks like for me is is really acknowledging my gratitude for my staff you know they go above and beyond and in my in as I've grown as an administrator, I realized that the only times that I would say something, acknowledge them was like at staff meetings or when I was talking to the board or maybe when I was talking about them. But I realized that I wasn't giving things specifically to the individual or for specific things that our teachers and educators were doing. Yeah. Oh, boy, that that was that a changer for the building. Awesome. Because teachers want to feel, um, you know, they want to feel appreciated. And then when you feel gratitude for someone, um, that just makes you happier. So one of my my tips is, is have a heart of gratitude. Maybe think about personally, you know, I, I be thankful for the family you have, if, if for the health you have, um, for the opportunity to serve the, our, the students that we do have. And as an administrator, I'm so thankful for the staff that do go above and beyond every day. And so we we try to do things um, to help our staff to practice this. And it's even like gratitude letters, shout outs. You know, we've incorporated shout outs into our morning, morning announcements. Uh, we've done um, gratitude um, letters and notes. And so when a person receives that, and I keep, and, I, and sometimes it blows my mind. It's just ink and paper. But what it does that for someone and what it does it for the one that's giving is truly transformational. Um, and so when your staff becomes more grateful, they become more happier. When you become more grateful, you're going to see a change even in the way that you see life. Uh, man, I, you, you came on dropping straight philosophy, Sandy. I, I appreciate it. Um, I got to tell you, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm snooping around your, your Twitter page and just looking through some different things. Um, and I noticed in your signature, you have Proverbs 11 and 2 in the signature. So I had to look it up. And I think it speaks very well to, to what you're talking about here. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But the with the lowly is wisdom. 
right? Mm -hmm. And this idea of this humility, being humble enough to say thank you to somebody, being humble enough to recognize, right? Like, like, yo, you, you are bringing something that I could not bring. Absolutely. Um, I think is, is incredibly beautiful. So I, I do think sometimes, right? Sometimes people hear humility and they, they think that that means you can't also be confident or you can't also shine. So for you, how do you match both remaining humble while at the si same time, you said be the light, you know, walk in confidence. How do those things mesh with you? So that way our listeners can walk away saying, oh, I can both remain humble and also shine, right? Like a diamond. Okay, sorry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I think I saw something on social media the other day, like with someone like with the humble, humble beast. I was like, I like that. Um, no, but you're right. Um, you know, when when we talk about walking in confidence, to me, what that looks like is acknowledging that I am not where I want to be. I may, I may not be the administrator that I want to be, but I'm going to get there. Having that growth mindset, we tell our kids that all the time, right? We but we have to remind ourselves. So like. When you are in the moment where you're starting to feel, you know, I, how do I, how do I maneuver the situation? Was I meant for this? We got to remind ourselves, you got the job, like you got the job. Like I have to tell myself, like I went through how many rounds of interviews I made it, you know, I, I know I have what it takes, right. um, but it's different than being prideful. I think walking in confidence is um, having that growth mindset and being vulnerable at the same time so that others can see, okay, that's what that means. And then getting rid of that negative self-talk. We are so hard with ourselves, right? We are so hard with ourselves. We would never want our kids to talk the way sometimes we talk to ourselves. <laughs> um, and then lately, one one thing that I've been incorporating is uh, positive affirmations, right? There's times where I have to go into meetings that or make phone calls, you know, like where I'm just mm. like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and mm. I just tell myself, okay, I, you know, I have the tools that I need. I'm a professional. I'm going to articulate this well. I I know that this child is deserves my confidence in this area. And then, and that makes me uh, walk in confidence. And then being the lie, just talk a little bit about that one too, um, is, is make sure that you admit and you apologize when we've made mistakes is what's going to make you be the light, especially in our field. Sometimes we get, you know, we get a little, they get it and I say that with all respect right we think we know it all or we're the experts of this we're the experts of that but um the one of the ways that people are going to be like wow that person is different or he or she's different is when we learn to admit and apologize when we made a mistake um and when when we affirm others that what they do matters and when we appreciate when we appreciate the work that they've done when we advocate for what we we think is right. And so I think that like being the light, walking in confidence, all of those things will make your humbleness stand out. Mm, there we go. There we go. So, so uh, have you ever heard the, 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 it's a quote that's often attributed to Nelson Mandela. I don't know if it was actually him that said it right, but that talks about the idea that, that we really don't do anybody a favor by hiding our light right? Yes. But then instead, by letting our light shine, we give permission to other people to also shine, right? And, and um, 
education is it's an interesting field in that sometimes we um you said big-headed i i would even argue competitive <laughs> right like where yeah. we feel like if i'm not ahead of the game if or if i'm not you know i, I got to try to compete with the person next door instead of recognizing we're really all doing the same difficult job trying to get it done right so when i see you shine rather than saying man i wish i was shining like that saying oh how did she shine like that well how, how can we connect we can shine together you know what i'm saying exactly yeah i i, I do think man there's so, so I, I really appreciate that because I think it's something that, that we definitely uh, need to continue to walk, work on. Um, let's jump back then to your number two, which was listen, but don't always engage. Uh, man, if the last, I don't know, I guess 10 years of politics have taught us anything, no. is that I don't have the energy to engage in every conversation. What, what, what do you mean when you say listen, but don't always engage? You know, I think sometimes we're so quick to respond and that has gotten a lot of people in trouble, right? Especially with our, you know, with our uh, rights, right? With our culture, with the way we're in and getting canceled. <laughs> um, but listening is an art. I think we don't, sometimes we we think that leaders or people of influence or um, have to be the ones always speaking and always, you know, managing the energy or being the person that brings up all the all the talk in the room um but sometimes um it's it's an art to listen because you discover so much about people and and you discover what their values are what they are um what are some things that they dislike that they like or some of their values and then you can align yourself or say I'm different but you don't always have to engage you know I, there's a time and place um just like, like how you mentioned before there's so much going on now in in the education in the education world we should be aware of these topics we should right it's our jobs to be to acknowledge what what is changing um and then the the, the way to engage is when you feel that you have when your voice is going to make a difference but if you're going to voice just because you want to voice and rant and vent and and bring someone down and then that's going to discredit these other other things that we've just spoken about right you know you 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 saw the um the proverbs um citation there's another proverbs that i like it's from proverbs 22 1 it says a, a good name is more desirable than great riches and to be esteemed is better than silver and gold and so sometimes when we talk too much, um, we don't, we lose that, that, that good name, right? Uh, you're preaching right now. You, you listen, <laughs> be quiet, be, be still, be, be still. still. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to help. It's just going to help you grow as a person. There's a time and place, you know, we are, I am all about advocating. Um, but when it's not your, when it's not in your, when you, and when it's not your turn, Stay still. Your time will come. You don't have yeah. to have an opinion about X, Y, and Z. And especially in our workplace, you know, rumors and gossip. Oh, boy. That is something that can affect the school climate, can change the school climate. Um, and so you, we have to make a decision. Do I want to be part of this contrib contributing potential, you know, toxic environment that is brewing? 
Or do I want to just say, listen, maybe don't engage. And then you be the light somewhere else. And guess what? Other Others are going to follow you. So you have that choice. But that this is one that I always have to I have to check myself into because you know as administrators there's so much happening right that we have to make decisions about and I got my opinions on a lot of things but I also know when when is my time to say something or not. Te gusta nuestro contenido? Síguenos en YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, y Facebook. What she said. You you know so um. Uh, I'm pretty open about about my faith. I serve as a, an assistant pastor at my the church I grew up in, and um, oh, awesome. one of the things that I, I'm I'm thinking about as you're speaking is is that ability to take off the armor is mm-hmm. what we talk about a lot. You know, scripturally is is that even the greatest warriors took off the armor every once in a while, yeah. right? So there is a danger, right? Because King David was not engaged when he should have been engaged, mm. he ends up with with Bathsheba, right? Yes. But there's also the danger of engaging when you shouldn't be. So I was just reading in 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 Second Chronicles, and this king goes out and fights this battle when he's not supposed to be fighting the battle. He ends up getting hit with the arrow and dies, right? So, right. so <laughs> I, I think ultimately, I think of right um, uh, in the New Testament, there's the scene where you find Jesus in the boat sleep and there's a storm going on. Yeah. And the, you know, the folk are like, Hey Lord, don't you care that we perish? You know, his disciples are like, Hey, we out here struggling <laughs> and you in here resting. But I think it well represents this idea that you have to pull out of the battle every once in a while. You have to rest to give your full self, to give your full energy means you can engage in everything absolutely and, and so, you were not called maybe we, we were not even called to fight all the fights in the world <laughs> right right i i was thinking about this recently because i i i i have not um i earlier in my life in my 20s i made it a habit of every time there was a police involved shooting of an unarmed person of color I was on Facebook keyboard worrying all day. Yeah. That's exhausting. That's yeah. exhausting. You know, because what's really exhausting is you see some people who you care about, you see their true color. You see people who are like, hold on, we was just, we were just at a church service together. And now all of a sudden you out here dogging. So, so yeah. it, it was exhausting. And one of the things I discovered was I'm not changing anybody's mind. If I engage in this on Facebook, I'm not getting the job done. So now instead, I chair our police review board for the city of DeKalb. Okay. So in my local community, if something happens and the police ain't acting right, it comes before me and I get a chance to review the footage. And and as a board, we get a chance to make that decision about whether or not there needs to be punk. That's a time where I can engage. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so I, I love this one. This one is really hitting home. For me, I appreciate these, Sandy. Uh, no, just, just the thought that you've put into it. But let's let's co- jump to this last one, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Don't compromise your beliefs or values about your students. Mm, yeah. Let me let when me ask you. That felt so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. Yeah. 
where does that compromise or that that push to compromise where does that come from in most cases what have you seen kind of in your experience as an educator sometimes so many cooks in the kitchen honestly that's the first thing that comes to my mind like I think about you know when our students when there's a struggling student everybody thinks they their services is, is is the right medicine you know or it's like the solution to everything that they got going on if I got only- that going on in my building right now <laughs> yo I'm telling you yes yes and so and, and so I've seen so many times where um some of my educators they'll just say you know I don't be like you know I just fine you know I don't I don't want to disagree with so and so fine you know do take take that struggling learner do this with them but when they know that that's not what they need or when they know that their service also matters or their contribution will only make that student even stronger in that area of weakness and so we have to remind ourselves like what what that passion that you have don't compromise just because it's convenient for someone else um, you know, if we did that, then we wouldn't get anything done and our kids would, would be hurting. Um, and, and, and it goes with that, for example, like I'm a big proponent of bilingual education, right? I, it's something that, you know, thankfully federally is something that is, that is now in place that are bilingual students who have access to bilingual education. And so, because I know that, I'm not going to compromise my release when someone says, you know, this dual language program is uh, how, how how is how do we know if it's effective? Maybe it shouldn't exist, or right, you know, right. I could be like, yeah, yeah, you know, this is a time where right when you listen, but but this is a time when you engage so that and you engage in a way where it's educational. When you maybe you're you're there to also help other people understand what uh, our students and so uh, making sure that what you know, what you've been, what you've learned, what you've been trained in, what you just experienced through life what you know is best for our kids don't get put on the back burner just because someone else thinks it's inconvenient or it's too it's not appropriate you you we have to we we have to be the spokespeople for our kids and and sometimes it's okay to disagree I know that's hard for teams to do but one of the things that we did for one of my teams this school year is to say it's okay we're not all gonna agree and that's that's all right um so check 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 yourselves all right the moment you're disagreeing all right we know we're going to disagree that doesn't mean we we can't get along or it's personal right. it's just that we don't agree because we see things in a different lens and with that too is sometimes it's okay to say no um you know you know something that a school administrator does just so much that we have to say yes to yes to and there's times where i've had to say you know what no, um, I don't think this is the appropriate time for this. Or no, I don't think that the, the, that meeting should be held at this moment in time. We need more X, Y, and Z. Or, or no, we will not um, ha- have that student change change school, change programs in the middle of their program. So it, sometimes it's okay to say no, although it might not make people happy. Uh, we can't compromise what we know about our kids and what works for them. Yeah. You're hitting on something here. I'm actually um, listening to a book right now on Audible. It's called Your Perfect Right. Uh, and it's about living a life of assertiveness. Um, and um, in the book, they actually just referenced another book called Assertive Women. 
um, that talks about that additional layer that women deal with when they attempt to be assertive and it's yeah. written off as being aggressive or or even some language that I personally don't use, right? She's yep. this, yep. right? And, and that assertiveness piece, right? And so Lisette and I talk about that quite often um, about something that may be seen as me being assertive is viewed differently, you know, if she does it. So, but but I, I mentioned that because this idea of assertiveness, um, and I want to give these people their due. So um, I'm, I'm going to call out their, their name. Yeah. Uh, the book is the, Your Perfect Right, Assertiveness and Equality in Your Life Relationships by uh, Dr. Robert Alberti and Dr. Michael Emmons. Book That's was originally hard. published. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, book was originally published back in the 70s. This is the 10th edition. But one of the things that, that they talk about is that assertiveness is really based on the idea that everybody is equal. Mm. And, and sometimes we think about, okay, well, I don't think that anybody is better than me. But do we ever get stuck in the trap of, do I think I'm better than somebody else, right? And so <laughs> now all of a sudden when we're disagreeing, if I think I'm better than you, that's where I start getting into my emotions. What do you even know? What are you talking about? You know, obviously my idea is better, but that ability to say, no, I'm, I'm not going to compromise because I don't think you're better than me. But I also don't necessarily need you to, to move off of where you're at because I don't think that I'm better than you. So now what? What do we do to maybe take our two ideas and actually create an idea that's better than what either of us had alone, right? Yeah. Um, so I, man, just again, I recommend the book. I think that what you're saying here, don't compromise, right? Um, don't be afraid to disagree. Don't yeah. be afraid to say no, because that is your right. You have the right Absolutely. to say no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and even just saying that, we always like hesitate, right? Like, but it's so, you're so right. And you know, just want to add something on on top of what you said. You know, it is so true. Some and I work with the majority of women, right? In our field, it's majority women that are are educators. But that is something that I feel that all of us need to continue to grow in is is being able to set differences aside and bring to the table what is going to help our mission and then kind of put ourselves our, our egos our prides our we got to leave that at the door and and just think about why are we here let's focus on that and so that is one thing like I said I'm still growing in that area trust me there's days where I just want to be like you have no idea what you're saying thank you yo yes <laughs> Um, but, but again, like I, that, this also makes you be the light in your school, makes you walk in confidence, right. makes you have a gratitude for maybe things that you are not, um, that strong in or aspects of the education world that you may not strong be strong with. And then it also makes you just something that engaged, right? So it all ties up, all these five tips all ties up. And I think yeah. that's what these five are transforming to my life as an administrator, as an educator as well. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, you know, it, it made me think just, there's a part of the song 
from the musical Hamilton, right? He says, why does he always think he's the smartest in the room, right? And, <laughs> and I actually, I've taken that with me. And and um, and unfortunately, what I have dealt with at, on, at times is as a well-spoken Black man in education mm. who is then also bilingual, wow. yeah. there are times where I am treated as someone who is exceptional. And then that gets into my mind and I start to believe it. And so I've had to sit and pull myself back. I'm like, dude, you're not the smartest person in the room. We are the smartest because all of us together are going to produce more than, than you can, bro. And so just be still sometimes, listen sometimes be grateful. And so again, all of this, like I said, I'm going to throw this up on our Twitter because I, I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation today. Um, and, uh, and again, feel like, man, I, I've learned something for sure. So um, Sandy, we, we thank you so much for taking the time to be a, a part of Black, Brown, and Bilingue. Um, we have a tradition here um, okay. that before we allow our guests to depart and get on with the rest of their day, if there, uh, we ask you to share this. If there is one thing that you want the listeners of this podcast episode to walk away with, mm. like what what would that one thing be um, for them to walk away and be like, you know what, it was worth it because I heard that. Ooh, um, this is this is a good question. I'm on the spot now. Um, I think what just summarizes all of these five points is. You can only control you, so be the change. Mm. I would say that that that's what's coming to my mind right now. You know, yeah. we, can't, we can't force someone to be grateful. We can't force someone to shut up. <laughs> we can't force someone to be humble. Can't force someone to, um, you know, own up. But but we can do that for ourselves. For ourselves. So it starts with you. It starts with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in shining that light, you give permission to others to shine their light as well. Sandy, thank you so much again for being on Black, Brown, and Bilingue. I know that you are uh, actively working as an educator, so um, I wish you the best of luck with the thank rest you. of the school year um, as we have to go back on Monday. You know, yeah. I, I know I always think on Mondays, <laughs> like maybe I'll take this one off, but we got to go back. Let's go, go back. back. Let's continue the work. And uh, let's go on to, to, to excellence. So thank you so much for uh, being on Black, Brown, and Bilingue. And um, uh, we hope that you have a great rest of the school year. Thank you. And same to you. I just want to say thank you for creating this platform, for giving uh, people like me a voice. Uh, I commend all the work that you are doing. And I'm so grateful that people like you are, and like Lizette too, shout out to her, um, are doing this for us educators that are black, brown, and bilingue. If you liked this episode, don't forget, we've got shorts too. Like not that we're wearing them, but the videos, shorts.